Hey, it's Joey Thurman. I'm excited to bring you season two of the Fad or Future podcast. We live in a world where information is everywhere, easy to access, and sometimes not always accurate, especially in the health and wellness space, which is exactly why I created this show. There's two sides to every story, and I'm here to present both and let you decide, is it a fad or is it the future? Health fads come and go, but the science behind them is what makes them work or fail. I'm bringing the experts to you and putting the facts on the table so you can decide how and where to put your efforts in your own personal health and wellness journey. The three foot nine victor with a 10 foot tall mentality. What's up? It's Joey Thurman. And in the inaugural episode of season two of the Fatter Future podcast, I have my buddy Brandon Farbstein. Brandon was born with a rare form of dwarfism. Only three foot nine and full grown, 20 years old. But I tell you what, just like his book, 10 Feet Tall, he has a 10 foot tall mentality. We get into all sorts of stuff, how he's worked with Tony Robbins. He's spoke at Fortune 500 companies, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Now, you think somebody like him who's had suicidal thoughts quit high school when he was 15 years old, he might have a negative outlook on life. But all the negativity, all the scars that we have, all the scars that he has, he uses them for positive. He's not saying that you can't ever feel negative or feel down on yourself or feel sad. But right now, in the times that we're in, we need more positivity in the negativity in this world. And here's my conversation with Brandon Farbstein. Hi, what's up, guys? Joey Thurman, another episode of the Fat Our Future podcast. We got a big one for you today. Brandon Farbstein, I tell you what, man, you are half my age and about half my height, and I feel like you've accomplished twice as much. Uh, You've done a TED Talk, which is what we share together. We'll we'll get into that a little bit. But you you worked with everybody from Gary Vee and Tony Robbins, and you speak to C-suite executives, to people less fortunate. You're going all over the place, and uh, you're doing that just, what, 19 years old? 20. 20. When did you turn 20? September. September. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're creeping up on 21. All right. All right, dude. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, we, we've got so much to get into. I just really appreciate you coming on. Normally we do this stuff face to face, but we're not going to, that's of course, as we talked in the pre-interview, 2020 has been strange. So we can't do it face to face. I contacted you last year to try to meet, meet up in um, Washington or New York, but this this works for now. This is our new normal. Uh, so yep. man, a, a little, little background about yourself. I, I, I teed it up. So swing away. <laughs> totally. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on, Joey. Glad that we finally made this happen. So a little bit about me. I was diagnosed with a rare form of dwarfism when I was two. So at the age of 20, I stand at three foot nine. And as you can imagine, I don't have your average perspective on the world. And I used to think that that was my detriment. That's what made me stand apart from the rest of the people around me. And I hated that. I resented every bit of who I was and being in the skin that I was born into. And for the first 15 years of my life, I felt very invisible. And it wasn't until I had the opportunity presented in front of me to give a TED Talk, which was not only the very first speech that I'd given, but it was the very first time that I shared my story and I was vulnerable and authentic. And I discovered the immense power in that. And truly that moment 
was when I stepped into my purpose. And five years later, I'm so lucky that I've now been able to turn it into a full-time career where not only I've been speaking all over, ranging from colleges to conferences to Fortune 100 companies like Facebook, but I'm also working really on the back end as well, now with organizations and very large companies on really social impact to a whole new level because I'm all about not only inclusion, but empathy as well. I really believe now more than ever, we need to have empathy, not only for other people, but for ourselves first and foremost. So just really excited to see how these things kind of take shape after I start putting them out in the universe and start to see the, uh, the fruit bear. Yeah. And, and, and man, at 20 years old, I was in college playing hockey, getting shit faced every weekend after games. <laughs> like, uh, let's just say I was like, uh, playing the ice instead of the field. Um, we're, we're just going to leave it at that. So <laughs> honey, I love you so much. I love you with all my heart. Uh, <laughs> I always have to, just in case she listens to this. So I can't even imagine where you're at and like not even the height thing, dude. Like I just can't imagine like getting to where you're at and anybody who has ever seen a TED talk, they don't really understand the immense work that goes into it. I think yeah. for me, I did it at TEDx IIT in Chicago. It was like two or three months of just intense you've got this application process and they wean people out and you get on the stage multiple times. And then the head of the organization just chops apart your speech and does all this. Yeah. And for me, they, when I got not, because you had to be nominated for mine, uh, did you be nominated for yours? Did you apply? No, you ran into, yeah. you ran into somebody at the airport, right? That's I did, but started? then there was, there was a process of course in itself with different meetings. And then um, I guess in the application process, they had the different stages, but no, you're exactly right. The, the requirements, but also what needs to be done mm -hmm. to go into a successful delivery, not just talking about the messaging, but every aspect of it, where you need to pause, where you need to anticipate the audience laughing or the audience having a reaction, and also putting yourself in that perspective of being able to take a step back and, and look, at, look at it through a third party lens, not trying to get kind of caught in your own bullshit, but yeah. being able to say, you know what, this is the story. I need to be able to objectively take out parts that aren't necessarily needed, but include elements that make it personable and make yeah. somebody connect with me and my story and all those things. But truly, I, I think the more that we're able to share our truth, no matter what it is or what stage we're on physically or hypothetically, we need to be able to do that. And the rewards of doing so are just astronomical. Yeah. You know, I, I, I watched your TED talk and then for me, when I did mine, I think, I think the organizer thought up, they're like, Hey, there's, here's pretty white boy. He's been on TV. He's got abs. And I think that's what they're expecting of me. And you know, I, I see a lot of commonalities in us. Like people expect these things. And I did, I did a talk called uh, like me, follow me, unbrand me. Cause I was just sick of everybody thinking that like, I need to show my abs. I need to have all these followers, all this bullshit. Right. And mm -hmm. it brought up these feelings of depression and suicidal thoughts that I had as a teenager. 
And I was like, man, when I was listening, watching your TED talk and I was reading your book, 10 feet tall. And you know, you, when you went into high school and then the, that asshole kid and get into that, like you sent out a tweet. Was it any, anybody who can get a picture of the, the ugly midget on the sideway, give you $5. Is that what he said? Yeah. Like, Holy it was, shit. uh, I think it was a video that was posted on Twitter the second day of my freshman year of high school. And that's kind of what I was greeted with. So you can imagine yeah. how things started off for me, but yeah. it really uh, progressed from there. But I know we'll, we'll get, get into it a little later on in the convo, yeah. but it really worked out in my favor. Sure. But like, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think people realize the, the power of the words negative or positive. And for you, like, oh, like, oh, poor me, when I was in high school, I was tall and lanky. And like, then you, you're, you're dealing with this rare, you know, form of dwarfism. And like, you've got all these other things going on. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. So, um, and, and during your TED talk, I know you're just talking about all those feelings. And, and what happened when you, when you originally like saw that tweet, like, kind of take me down the path of, really just you know, how you're feeling and um, how it's led you to kind of where you're going. I think it was a lot of shock and not knowing why this happened and, and what was going on. Um, but obviously feeling like the odd one out and like there was a target on my back from literally the second I walked into school. And it basically felt like being alone on a deserted island where you see all these boats around you, but nobody's coming to your island. Nobody's coming to talk to you or even look at you in a way that is not degrading or what I felt like was trying to further bring me down. And it was such a toxic environment for me, really in every sense of the way. And it just got progressively worse and worse. And it went from people making fun of my height to then getting a death threat almost every single week from the peers at my school on social media and being so freaking terrified of walking in that building every single day because you don't know who the people are that are sending those things to you. It literally could be the person sitting next to you in class. Yeah. And so all of those things definitely stacked up on each other. And I had a turning point when it was, I think, Thanksgiving break in junior year of my, uh, my high school career. What happened was I opened up Instagram and I saw that I was tagged in a post. So I went on the post and mind you, this was a couple years after I gave the TED Talk. So I was a freshman in high school, 15, when I gave that talk. And one would think things would have gotten a little bit better for me yeah. after that talk where people would understand me a little bit more. They would see that I'm more than just uh, a little person. I'm more than just a kid that rides a Segway. But unfortunately, that was the exact opposite. It made the attention that I got uh, turn into such a negative for the kids at school. They resented me for it. They thought that I did not deserve to get what I was getting or have the response that I was was seeing in front of me. And this account that I saw on Instagram was created for the sole purpose of degrading and hating on me. And it included images from my Instagram, from my TED talk, 
saying this midget should have been gassed in the chambers in the Holocaust. Um, I'm Jewish, by the way, so it just it adds another layer on top of that. Yeah. And then another picture said, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. He's never going to find anybody that loves him. And then another one was, why doesn't this disgusting midget just sterilize himself? And so that, as you can imagine, was just devastating in every sense of the way. And I realized in that experience and through that, that I needed to make a drastic change and get myself out of that environment that I was putting myself in. And I had no other choice that was presented in front of me, as in, you could either do this or this. My decision was already made. And I went to the administration, who, by the way, very unfortunately did really do nothing to assist me or my family through all of these different incidents that happened. And that was really disappointing. But I said to them, uh, I don't feel safe in this building anymore. I showed them pictures and videos that other students took of me in the hall because the administration wanted to claim that this was being done outside of school hours. Therefore, they had no capacity to do anything. Um, trying to obviously brush it under the rug, say it's yeah. not my problem, blah, blah, blah. Well, so, I mean, they didn't really care because they thought that it was happening outside of school. And, and you know, I'm 30, hold, hold on now, I'm 37. So social media wasn't around when I was in high school and middle, middle school. And thank God for that. Because I've got, I've got this love-hate relationship with social media. Like you can yeah. connect with amazing people. With, like I connected with you through social media. I connect with a lot of my guests through social media. But at the same time, it just brings on this perception of perfection and like and this all this crap. And I can't even imagine. I was picked on as a kid, like I said, and like I I, I didn't come into my own for a long time. I didn't have that self confidence. So if you layer on top of like, I stayed home for a week cause I was so sick. Cause I just want to go to school. So I can't even imagine that. And you, then you can, I got away from it. Right. I went, I was like, I can't go to school. I'm I got away from it, but you're looking at this shit online and right. you can't get away from it. Cause I'm sure people are like, sent, did you see this? Did you see and it? And it's just never ending. So the final straw is you, you kind of went to the administration, you left school. Yep. So I began online school and I basically guided the administration to that solution because they said to me, well, besides dropping out of high school, we don't see what else could be done. You still need to do your classwork. You still need to get the instruction, yada, yada. And they didn't have, I guess, the, the innovative mind that I did to think about online school. And at this point, it was 2017. So it, it wasn't what it is today in terms of online school. But it for about 15 or 20 minutes a day would be all it took for me to complete my schoolwork. <laughs> and what I realized was that with all of the time and energy that that was giving me, yeah. I was able to launch my professional speaking career. And so as a junior in high school, 17 years old, I was able to do exactly that. And I was being flown all across the country speaking to businesses and literally universities while I was still in high school and was being put on this pedestal of being who I was and not having to hide, not trying to you know, put on a facade that everything is okay when it's not. 
and when I feel like I'm, I'm being attacked every day of my life, more than I already am. I mean, if, if you think about what people's reactions are of somebody like me on a daily basis, you don't see somebody who's three foot nine every day. You don't see somebody as good looking as me riding around on a set. No, and you don't at all. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a handsome fella. So whatever asshole <laughs> said that, I'm sure they were, they were just jealous. hundred <laughs> percent. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's really about finding those roadblocks that are standing in the way of your life. And we're sometimes stuck in situations where we can't get out of them. And we have to be able to understand that, yes, there's a lot of shit that constantly will be going on around us in our external world, but 110% of the time, what we have control over is our own inner world. And I was really lucky to start discovering that really while this period of my life was occurring and simultaneously while starting my speaking career, I got into personal development and really went head first into this world of fixing yourself and, and getting to a place of not being the victim of your circumstance anymore. And for me, that was huge, obviously, not being the victim of everything that happened to me and yada, yada, instead choosing to be the victor and using those experiences, using my life as a whole to try and help as many people as I possibly can. And that's truly the mission that I'm on every single day. That, that's great. Uh, I'm going to take that quote. Uh, Don't be the victim, be the victor. You know, how, how did that feel? So you went from this incredibly low point and we all have low points, even, even when we're at our highest highs and I've worked with celebrities and movie stars totally. and all sorts of stuff. We're, we're all fucked up, man. All of us. But you went from what I can imagine is yeah. one of your lowest lows to all of a sudden you're in, you're going to universities and you're speaking and, you know, and whatever weeks or months gone by where you just, you left school and obviously we're not going to talk about the education system. If you can do your schoolwork in like 15 minutes, but uh, <laughs> how, how did that really feel when you were like, when you're on that college stage and you're like, wow, I'm still in high school. I'm speaking to these people that are older than me and, and like that are looking up to you as opposed to you looking up to them. And, that, and that's not a comment on your height. That's like, yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. you know what I mean? For sure. I, I think for me, it was, knowing I'm exactly where I need to be and never feeling out of place. Yeah. That's something that I've, I've always been really blessed with. Whenever I've had these incredible opportunities that have come my way, I sometimes have had the urge to think I don't belong here or mm -hmm. who am I to be on this stage or speaking to these people or whatever. But then I realize that every single one of us belongs on a stage and it doesn't have to be being a public speaker, being a public figure uh, to do that. But again, just coming from a place of speaking truth and living as authentically as possible, being the most you version of you has been something that's huge for me. And I think that life for all of us is way too effing short to live in somebody else's light. And to try and be somebody that we're not because we think that's what the universe expects of us. Or we think that's what 
will get people to love us or give us attention or the respect that maybe we never got. But I'm here to tell you that if you are living a life like that, it's not going to lead you to fulfillment and it's not going to lead you to happiness. And I think those two things are at the end of the day, what we all want besides, you know, love and, and certainty and protection and all these things. We want happiness. We want fulfillment in everything that we do, both personally and professionally. And I think no matter what age you are, whatever you're going through, uh, you need to realize that you're not defined by anything other than what you choose to define yourself and your life by. No condition, no sexuality, no religion, no political stance. Those are all words. Those are not your identity. And those are not who you are as a whole. So all of those things make up the person that you are. But I think it's so vital to not put all our eggs in one basket, thinking that oh, because I'm Muslim, I have to be a certain way. Or, oh, because I am a little person, I have to be a certain way. Or, oh, because I'm a woman, I have to be uh, dressing like this or whatever. I I think we need to be the ones that break the stigma and break society's expectations that are just flat out wrong that we know to not be true for us. Yeah, but... So that's, that's why those are powerful words and that's great. But a lot of people will see this uh, or, or, or hear this, or they'll see like um, a quote or a meme and like, oh, this, this wonderful quote, but how do you actually put that into action? Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're stuck in a life you shouldn't be in. Stop living someone else's life because their life is taken. But how do you actually do that? Like what steps can people take to do that? Because it's really hard. We get stuck in situations and shitty relationships and jobs and, and things that we just, we can't find a way out. So how do you suggest someone starts? Really, it's doing the inner work and it's going deep to getting to the truth of what's actually the root of your problem. And, and I think for a lot of people, it's going only on the surface level of trying to find out where our problems may lie or what our struggles are holding us back, whatever you want to call it. And I think when you're able to get to a place of doing deep introspection and asking yourself, what am I actually doing? What is actually going on? And going back to what I said before, being able to take a step back and looking at things through maybe a different lens and not being so overwhelmed by that thing. Because think about it, when we're in the moment and we're so overwhelmed by a situation or a trauma or an event or whatever it is, that's all that we could think about. That's all that we could feel. But we have to be able to remember that all of those things that have come our way up until this point, we may have thought that was going to be our detriment or that was going to be the thing that stopped us. But let's be real for a sec. All of us are still here. None of that shit has stopped us. And I'm not trying to be all motivational cliche or whatever, but I think it's incredibly important to recognize how much resilience and courage is inside of every single human being to even be here and to live the life that we're all living. It means that we've, we've had to overcome some serious shit. Yeah. And when you're able to realize that as a whole, that you've been literally unstoppable 
to get to where you are right now. And there's no reason why the thing that you're going through right now needs to be any different than that. Yeah. Uh, you talk about in your book that we all have scars and whether that's physically that you can see um, or internally, but it was really interesting. You talk about not wanting to hide your scars and I can't remember your direct quote. I have it in all my notes. So I took a lot of, took a lot of notes for this. And normally dude, when I, when I read a book or whatever, it's kind of skimming through it. Like I sat down and I was right. taking all these notes. Like, this is good. This is good stuff. Um, it, it was something along the lines of use, using your scars and your wounds for, uh, to better yourself and push you forward. Can you talk about that? Totally. So for me, what that means is with my condition, I've had to endure quite a few surgeries in my childhood where physically they've had to break the bones in my legs, put metal hardware in it in an attempt to straighten the, uh, the leg bones as yeah. they grew. And yeah, you can, you could imagine how painful that was. Um, different. I think one, I was four years old. The other, I was eight. And that left quite extensive scarring on my legs. And when I was a kid, I used to want to not wear shorts because I was ashamed of the scars on my legs because none of the other kids had them and I was the only one. And again, I felt like the victim and I didn't, I didn't see it as something empowering. Like it was a battle wound. It was something showing how strong I actually am and that I've endured battles that most people will never touch in their entire lifetime. And that's what we have to look at our scars like, that they're not disempowering things, whether again, on our body physically or emotional scars. These things are signs of everything that it's taken for us to get to where we are. And all the things that we've had to endure and overcome and all the adversity that has come our way, it, it doesn't matter how big it was in the moment because again, we got through it. So for me, it was getting to a place of not being ashamed of being different and not being ashamed of being this person and knowing that I think there's something deeper here and, and whatever you want to look at it through, whether it's God, it's the universe, your creator. Um, I think we all are put here for a very distinct reason with all the uniqueness mm -hmm. that we have. And when we try and cover that up or we dim our light in some way, we're doing a disservice to everybody around us and the world as a whole, truly. And no matter what we're going through, if we're able to tap into how we could be the most real and vulnerable and authentic version of who we know we are, I think that's the formula for living a life of just greatness and being happy and lit up on a daily basis. Yeah, that's, that's great, dude. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people, they shy away from negativity and you know as you said when, I, when i'm working with a client or something and they're and they're thinking about how bad their life is and they're they're going to that negative place like i shouldn't have these thoughts i shouldn't have these feelings like why when we, when we have these sad feelings we know what happiness is if without sad would we know what happy is like and you and you have exactly. those negative feelings whether it's weight loss whatever and you're 
you want to lose a bunch of weight and you had the pizza and you feel bad about it, hold on to that. Hold on to how bad you felt when you ate that pizza. So next time you want to eat the pizza, you think about how bad you felt. And you can use that right. for positive. And you learn and that it, lesson. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a damn pizza or, or if it's you know, some life-altering event. I think we need to have negativity and those scars. And it sucks that a lot of people had to have you know, all these bad things happen to them. But, you know, I don't, I say there's no overnight success story and there's no person that has ever just had their life completely perfect. And right. it, it is not true. But for you, you, you talked about how you never really thought there was anything wrong with you. And I think that's really empowering for people to hear because as you just said, whoever you're, you're a creator or you believe in or whatever, if you're spiritual, you truly feel like you're here for a reason. I mean, have you ever felt like, man, I, I just wish I was six feet tall. I mean, you can't get better looking. You're, you're, you're good on that. So you've you got that. But uh, do, you, do you ever wish like you were twice your height or, you know, any circumstance like you could not have to have these surgeries or walk around without pain? Oh, 100%. And it would be a lie if I said that I still don't have moments and days like that uh, to this day, because truthfully, I, I think we're all human beings who are just very sensitive people as a whole. And we have the emotions that we have for a reason. And through those emotions, always have a lesson underneath. And when we're able to subjectively look at things and not again be overwhelmed by it it's it's less detrimental but for me for sure i still have you know moments like that that i i want to feel more normal and less the way that i feel um but then i'm reminded of the purpose that i have and the mission that i'm on and it's so much bigger than me and it's been a really big source of strength to have that to tap into on a daily basis because yes, I might have a lot of issues on a daily basis that I have to go through, but the driving force for me is always knowing the impact that I could make on somebody else's life on a daily basis. And it could be one person or it could be 10,000 people that day. And I want to do really as much as I possibly can with what I have. And despite the challenges and the inner work that I continue to do, it's been really important for me to understand that I am who I am for a reason. And I need to remember that we can't compare ourselves to the people around us, because I think what you said before is, is so accurate. None of us have a perfect life and none of us know what the next person is truly going through. And it's really vital to remember, especially on social media, that we're only seeing a highlight reel. Right. We're only seeing, you know, the filtered bits and pieces that creators and individuals want you to see. And I'm not saying that we should put everything on social because that's definitely not the case no it's not what i am idea. saying is <laughs> we shouldn't try and be somebody that we're not yeah and like we shouldn't try and put on a, a plastic face yep. and act like we 
we don't have pimples or act like we aren't shaped in the way that we are, whatever it is. It's just not worth it in my opinion. Yeah. I saw an interview, actually it was you and your mom. Um, and she said, you know, she wanted to teach you the beauty of being an authentic person. And I think just from what you said there, that's authenticity. We don't, you're right. We don't need to put everything out there. Like, I don't need to know that you got a bad case of diarrhea today. I don't need to know that. Uh, right. you know, like we don't need to over, we, we overshare everything, which gets a lot of people in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but it's true. Just being authentic in whatever you want to put out there. Like you've, you'll, I have a son, but people won't find him on social media because that's the choice that we made for him, you know? And then um, people are like, why totally. don't you do that? Why don't, why don't you put him out there? You could make a bunch of money from him. I could. He's, he's a beautiful little boy. He looks like me. So he's gorgeous. Um, actually, <laughs> my, my wife's a pretty one in a relationship, but you know, that, that's a choice that we made. So <laughs> I see other, other, right. you know, people putting their kids out there and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would love to do that. But at the same time, like I'm also in the public eye. So it's like, at, that's a decision that we made and that's our decision. And that's our, and at, at some point, maybe we'll put him out there or maybe he'll decide to put himself out there. But mm -hmm. you know, it, it should be okay to have differences of opinions, whether it's something small like that or something big where uh, political or, you know, spiritual beliefs, whatever it is. I think that if we just walk around the other side of that table, like if you look at a number nine, some people see a number six, what perspective are you looking at? Exactly. Like, can you flip that right. around and just simply understand that I, I, maybe a six to me, maybe a nine to you, but that's okay. You see a nine, I see a six, but I think we just, we're a bunch of assholes and I just don't get it. So I'm sure you've experienced this. I mean, you're 20 years old and you're talking to huge companies and people that are extremely monetarily successful because success is what you define. But do you ever get anybody like, why in the hell should I listen to this kid? He's 19, 20 years old. He's going around. Who, who, who am I to listen to him about relationships or business or anything? Uh, have you gotten any of that? Totally. Yeah. I, and I think I've gotten a lot of it uh, that I may not have been aware of it in the audiences in front of me, yeah. especially when speaking to corporate America and people who are not necessarily uh, too apt to listen to Gen Z or somebody in, in my age bracket. Um, just, I, I guess, historically, that has not been the norm. Right. So it's, it's for a lot of people, it definitely is getting used to a little bit, not just on the age front, but obviously, again, you don't see somebody who looks like me every single day. So I, I have that going for me in terms of when I step on a stage or when I ride on a stage on my Segway, I have everybody's attention, right. like 100% of the audience's attention. And I, I hold it in the palm of my hand the entire time. And I'm not saying that to like brag, but I am saying that because it's one of my superpowers. Yeah, and like, use it. Uh, when, use what you have, yeah, man. So you got, a, you got a cool yellow Segway. You ride out on that thing and you grab them by the balls and you hold on. <laughs> Carry on. I just felt like I <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's, it's truly about identifying as well in the areas that you want to excel in what you're already doing really great in, but also what 
you could be doing more of to obviously improve and get better because none of us have it down completely and we could always get better. There's always area and room for improvement no matter what we want to do. And just having that, that lens and that framing is really important for growth and advancement and just achievement as a whole in my experience. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, you say, and obviously, yeah, like I, I'm in Chicago. So every now and then, and first of all, what's the, what's the PC term? What would some, somebody say if they see somebody, you know, like height challenge, what, what would mm-hmm. the term be? First off, great question. Thank you for asking that. And not just like assuming that, you know, the answer. I, so yeah, I don't know shit. Man. Usually that's, that's why, that's why I bring people <laughs> on like you to tell me what's going on. <laughs> totally. Usually in, in my experience and from speaking with others, the term that is preferred by the community is either dwarf or little person, okay. but never the word midget. And here's why. As using the word retarded. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that started out as a word that I think didn't mean harm behind it, but through society's use of it, it, I guess, misconstrued it into the word midget is associated with circus folk and Mm. freaks of nature and not being human. And so a lot of people think, oh, well, people still say it and it's a commonly used term, so it must be fine, but that's actually not the case. And it's, it's just an offensive word. And so for me, it's been really important whenever somebody wants to know something like that or anything about my condition or my experience, I want to answer. I want to be a resource because I also recognize whenever I'm going out in public or whenever somebody sees me, I'm an ambassador for any other little person out there, Mm -hmm. but also anybody else with a difference who maybe unique or whatever it is. And that comes with responsibility. And it comes with, I think, uh, a role that I need to step into where I can't try and hide. I can't try and, um, you know, act like I'm immune to bullshit or negativity or whatever it is. And especially for me, a weak area that I've always felt, I don't know how to describe it, I guess victimized historically bit by uh, is kids and kids' reactions to me because uh, naturally kids are curious. Yeah. And I used to associate the curiosity with being a freak and with being like the weirdo. But then as I got older, I was able to recognize that kids are just curious and they, they want to know and they want to, to know who I am and they don't necessarily look at things or think about things the way that adults do having a negative thought or even having any type of lens through which they see something like it's so objective to them. That's what the world is when you're a kid. And so for me, it's been really important to not try and, be an asshole in public yeah. when I'm around kids in terms of hiding and like not, 
not letting them ask me questions or uh, getting offended when they point at me or they, they ask their parents a question about me. I now know it's not something that I need to be offended by. If it's, however, a 45-year-old man who's <laughs> doing the same thing on the street, we're going to have some issues. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to take them down. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, kids are, you're right, they're, na- they're naturally curious. And I would say they, a child is our purest form of light. They haven't experienced darkness. They haven't, like, they're sheltered. So they, they don't know that the world is bad. They, especially for a quarantine over a pandemic and they're really young. Like, like my son is as good as you possibly can get. And then all of our experiences ended up shaping us. I mean, there's a whole nature versus nurture argument that you can go through too. But like, like if some specific words come out of that kid's mouth and they see you, and they're like, hey, look at look at the midget running around. Like he they didn't come up with that themselves. But if they're like, Mommy, Daddy, you know, why 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 is he shorter? Why is he on that? Mm-hmm. What is that? That's completely right. different. You know, and it's all about exactly. education. And understanding is about education and asking the tough questions. Like, I didn't want to look up what I was supposed to say your condition is i wanted you to i wanted you to say as i saw on wikipedia no dude like what do you want to be called you know like i'm I'm sure people you need to say brandon that's probably a good answer um exactly oh and and the thing that that's also interesting too is my answer isn't necessarily the answer of somebody else who is in this community and so it's really important to always have that lens of curiosity and wanting to respect the person so much that you just ask and you don't assume and you know it's not uncomfortable you may think it's weird asking the question but i'm going to say 99 percent of the time the person on the receiving end of the question is going to appreciate it more than anything of feeling awkward or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. So when people, when people greet you, how would you like them like physically? Like, well now, like we're probably not handshaking or anything, right? But like, let's, let's, let's take the whole COVID thing out of it. But when we say that we're okay and not worried about, you know, spreading disease or anything like that, when, when somebody comes up and greets you, would you prefer that they like, come down like I'm, I'm six, three, right? So I'm mm-hmm. going to be towering above you. Would you prefer that? I kind of like reach my hand down to come to your level. What, what's comfortable for you? Good question. Um, it, it definitely is situational depending on the physical environment that we're mm-hmm. in. So let's say we're at a networking slash like cocktail party and there's tons of people standing around and everybody has to scream in order to hear the person standing like three feet away from you. For me, that's, that's literal hell because not only is everybody towering over me, but I can't hear shit. (laughs) And I, I have to like scream more than people know. And the worst is when I have to do that before a speaking gig. And like, I have to do all the networking and the schmoozing and it's in these corporate environments where that's all they do. It's like standing around and drinking cocktails and like being in a hotel conference room or whatever. And so it's just learning, I think, to adapt to it. But for me, it's always been having somebody just uh, either shake my hand or not just not try and talk down to me, if that makes sense. Like yeah. you're, you're already going to be standing above me and, and like we, we have that, 
but you don't need to like degrade me for being physically below you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like I feel a lot of people may have the, the connotation that usually when you're talking to somebody of my size, it's obviously going to be a kid. So you have to talk down and simplify things right. to them. But hopefully in the last few minutes, you've been able to tell, I don't need no damn simplification. And, and you know, I, I you don't need want shit, man. to, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I want to be as oh. much of a, a bright, independent adult as I possibly can. But with that, it definitely comes asking for help when I need it. And either having somebody open the door for me, or if I'm at a grocery store, reaching something on a top shelf, it, it's definitely gotten easier for me to become my own advocate and not wait for others to necessarily step in when they think that I need help, but instead doing what I can, but when I can't and I need assistance asking for it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great for anybody uh, who's a little person to anything else. If we just asked for help and we needed it, I really feel like we would much further as a society, we would understand a lot more. Uh, do you have, do you have any critics, anybody that just, you know, and not, not talking about bullying here, but do you have any critics, like ever, anybody who's in a public eye, such as yourself, like there's going to be like somebody that, that like, if you're the president and well, he's got a lot of critics, but you know, right. there's going to be, you're, there's always going to be this juxtaposition. Do you have any anybody that is just like completely thinks like you're full of BS? You don't need to name names, but. So I've always been so like in the world of being bullied that I guess I've not discerned what would be like not a bully slash hater and more yeah. of a critic. But I sure. want to say my inkling is I've not really had many experiences with like heavy critics. It's been more people just being really hateful, yeah. um, full of just a lot of evilness and wanting to spread that onto me. Um, yeah, that it, makes sense. It's, it's interesting because I, I think it stems from a place of either not having any self-worth or, or self-esteem for who you are. And so you have to lash out on other people in order to try and feel powerful or it's you envy something that that person has yeah. or a thing that they're doing or whatever it is. And so your way of, I don't even know how to justify it, but like getting it taken away from that person is to treat them like garbage. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't really make sense when you, when you try and think about it, yeah. but when you, can understand if you're ever on the receiving end of getting bullied or, or hate, somebody is doing it because that's a reflection of how they feel on the inside. And I'm not saying that you may not be at fault because obviously sometimes we make mistakes and we may not, we may get criticized for it and called out and whatever, and you have to own up to it if that's the case. But you also just have to realize it's not necessarily on you. Yeah for being the target of that, if it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. People that are often jealous, you know, want to emulate that person that they're trying to put down. Have, have you, I mean, you, you go over a lot uh, in your book, 10 feet tall and there's a, 
a bunch of different different great tidbits and anybody listening this is a it's an easy read but it's very impactful it's like 100 110 pages i believe yep. um is it 110 wow look at that i remember <laughs> um it's, it's it's a great read but like there's a lot of things you can implement right away and one of the things that stood out um for me is you talk about the power of one and we don't need to change everything for everything to change how do we do that so what that means is couple points in this as a as a whole the first one being the power of one if you really think about it one moment one conversation one person can change everything for the trajectory of our life and i bet if you could think of a certain moment right now, you probably could think of a situation or a person that you met or a thing that you went through that changed the course of your life. And that's what the power of one is. And it also means that we, every single day, have the ability to be that one for somebody else. Mm. I'm not saying that we have to go out and be Oprah every single day and like give out cars and, and right. be know these philanthropists but what we you get a car do, you get a car you get a car but you got to pay taxes <laughs> on it <laughs> right 100 you know what we can do is like we've been talking throughout this whole conversation use what we have and something as simple as sending a text to a friend saying hey i just wanted to check on you how are things going love and miss you or it's calling up somebody that you haven't connected with in a few months or maybe a couple of years even. And just, again, saying hi yeah. and seeing how people are doing. Those small, simple actions literally mean everything to the person on the receiving end of it. And it's not only going to make their day, but it's going to make ours too. And that's one of the things that I always like to do whenever I'm in a place of feeling like the victim or just feeling like very overwhelmed by life and, and not having high vibes, I like to identify something simple like that, that I can do to somehow make somebody else's day just a little bit better because in turn it lights me up so much knowing that it's impacted them and it's made their day, um, you know, even just for a few seconds, a couple minutes, just that much better. Yeah, that kind of answered my next question. Is I, I want to talk about when, when you get down, you know, what do you do to get out of there? But I think that it makes a lot of sense. You talk about in your book that you use technology to propel you forward. Um, you know, and I know that you're talking about your Segway and people listening, like he raised money to get his own Segway. And this is a whole story. So watch his TED talk uh, to get into that. But that technology, that, that text, the Zoom call, the, the FaceTime, even a handwritten letter, if you're comfortable going to the mailbox and opening up your mail right now, um, you know, that, that can do a lot for people. Uh, and there, there's a quote in your book, you said, um, the probability of being born is one in 400 trillion. Our existence is intentional. Yes. That's a cool huge that? statement. Like, think about that. It's huge. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've never, I, I, that's one of, one of the one things that will stick into my mind. And dude, I could talk to you for hours. Like you, you've anti-bullying legislation, all sorts of things. Just you, you've lived a full life at 20 years old and I'm sure you're barely scratched the surface, but one in 400 trillion is your odds of being here. So like 
we need to do everything we can, like pick up Brandon's book, 10 feet tall. That's going to tremendously help. And I want to, I want to leave you with one more question because I, I told you that we'd, we'd keep it as short as possible, even though I can hang out with you all day long. Um, <laughs> For sure. Where do you want not only your future to go, but the future of the human race? I want to see a world where inclusion is the norm and we don't have to fight for equality or for existence or for people's lives to matter and empathy to be a core practice of us all and to not judge people from what they look like or what their experiences might have been, but really seeing the person for who they are first. And uh, that's, that's my dream. And I'm definitely going to continue working on seeing that as our society, because truly it starts with one and it starts with us having these conversations and spreading it on to others and having those people spread it on and spread it on. And that's how a movement grows and changes the world. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Elevate empathy. Elevate empathy. Brandon, where can people find you, man? So I hang out on Instagram the most. It is my last name at Farbstein, F-A-R-B-S-T-E-I-N. Just started on TikTok, which I'm excited about. Hopefully <laughs> some uh, good things in the works with that. And that's also my last name at Farbstein. And then like Joey mentioned, I would love if you picked up my book. It's on Amazon, wherever you may be listening from, both the Kindle version and the paperback, 10 feet tall. Brandon, my man, thanks for joining me. It's another episode of the Fatter Future Podcast. I'm Joey Thurman. Don't be a fatty, F-A-D-D-Y. Be a part of the future. And you know what, guys? Don't be an asshole, right? We got it. <laughs> Brandon's with me. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Brandon. Reading his book and having that conversation with him, that truly changed my life. And I realized that sometimes I get stuck in a funk too. And I focus on the negative and the scars that I have. And we can all get out of that. It changed my life. I Hopefully it changed yours. And my wish for you is to share this. Pass this episode along because we all need more positivity in such a negative world right now. Okay, let's focus on that positive and use the negative to get out of our funks. And next week... You have to tune into this one. The certified health nut, Troy Casey. This guy was a former Versace model. He was doing all sorts of drugs and everything that you'd expect living in Milan. He's in his early 50s. He wrote a book called Ripped at 50. He's got a big, long beard now. And he teaches me all sorts of breathing exercises, getting rid of the demons. And I tell you what, he even uses a doctor with the nickname of Dr. Pee. Troy rubs urine on himself. <laughs> I am not making this up. I don't think I could make this up. There's a lot of tangible information that you can use in this upcoming episode besides the P. Make sure you tune in next week to the Fatter Future Podcast with the certified health nut, Troy Casey.